Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. My name's John. I'm an alcoholic, and it's great to be here, man. You know, to to experience the worldwide fellowship of AA, man, you know, I, I'm a big advocate of Zoom, man. Zoom, Zoom has absolutely saved my life, man. It's a, it's exposed me to some of the to the best people on this planet in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, you know, it used to be you know AA is worldwide, yeah, AA is worldwide, but you know now I've gotten to really experience the fellowship. You know, meeting my friend like Gordon, I haven't seen Gordon in a while, you know, and to, and to see him pop up on the screen, I was like, wow, man, you know, these friendships you know, that evolved through a computer screen, you know, but, uh, you know, the language of the heart still works, man. You know, when somebody's speaking from the heart, I feel it computer or not live and in person or on computer. I feel the language of the heart. I'd like to welcome Tillock, man, you know, a couple days sober, dude. It's, that's a hard place to be for an alcoholic, especially if you really don't understand alcoholism. You know, I didn't understand alcoholism at all, man. My sobriety date, I came into the rooms, and September uh, 23rd of 1991, and that's my sobriety date. And I haven't touched a, a drop of alcohol or, or a mind-altering, you know, dry goods since, right? I did relapse on dry goods in September of 91, you know, when I went on a trip, uh, you know, against my sponsor's uh, better judgment, you know, I went against. And uh, so that I changed my sobriety date from April, you know, to September. And, uh, you know, honesty is the, the big part of it. And, uh so it goes. It's just an honor to be here, man. My home group's the primary purpose group of uh, Titusville, Florida. Here, it's a live in-person group. I do a lot of service with them on Mondays. I open the room, and uh, you know, I chair the meetings and I find chair people for them. And uh, you know, I'm a lot of service in the Beacon group, which is a Zoom home group that I have. I have a couple Zoom home groups, and uh, you know, the firing line I attend regularly. You know, there's a lot of really great meetings all around, and uh, you know, you can really find yourself covered up and, you know, an Alcoholics Anonymous if you get really involved in, in, in this Zoom world, man. And, uh, you know, I got a couple sponsors. I got three sponsees here and my, my sponsor, Chris, you know, who has a sponsor and he know you know, all that stuff. He knows I'm a sponsor and I know he's my spot, you know. I, I don't know the spiel, man, but, you know, my friends are here, man. And that's what they offer me. And that's what I offer them, friendship. And I offer them fellowship, you know, and, uh, you know, Tillock is a, it's a program of attraction. You said it when you popped on, man, you know, I, I want what you guys have, you know, but the beautiful thing is, you know, you already have it, man. You just have to uncover it. And the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous un, un, uncovers that spirit, you know, and, and we awaken, we awaken to a better life. We awaken to the world of the spirit. You know, we experience serenity, you know, we know peace, right? I had to have something. That was better. That was better than alcohol, or did for me, what alcohol did for me. And if I was going to recover from this disease, man, you know, I got I got to share a story with you. Early this morning, man, you know, I'm laying. I, I woke up like two thirty. You know, it's like ah, the vultures are on the headboard. You know, and the, hey, what are you going to talk about today, man? You know, you got to get. We got a few pages left. There's four guys left to speak. Now you got to do. You know, the, the mind's just going crazy, right? And uh, so I managed to fall back to sleep. It gets to be about 4.30, and I hear Queenie stir, you know. My beloved Queenie, man. She, I hear her stir, and I hear, I hear her get up, you know. And I said, morning, Queenie. You know, she's tired, man. She's like, it's like 4.30, right? 4.30 a.m. And um, 
She goes, yeah, Johnny morning. And I said, I'm speaking today in India. And she's like, is that why that energy's all over me? She goes, <laughs> she goes, cut it out. You beanhead, you know, stop it. You're keeping us both awake. Right. And I'm like, holy jeez, man. You know, and I've, I've told Chris this before, you know, where she's known stuff from people she's never even met and knew there was something wrong, right? And, and I go to Chris, I go, man, I thought she's some kind of witch, you know? And, and Chris goes, you know what, John? She's just awake. You know, that's being awakened, to be in touch with that universal energy that we all portray. Right. And that's what I'm striving for, man. That's why I got to keep coming here. That's why I got to keep doing inventory. That's why I got to keep working with others. That's why I got to realize the trouble I'll be in if I pick up another drink. You know, and um, like I said, there's only a few pages left in the um, in the chapter on alcoholism. And um, what I want to do is kind of, you know, just kind of go back and uh, just let's hit some of the high points and catch everybody up. So Andy and, you know, and Henry and, and the other, and, uh, and uh, I forget the other speaker, they got something to talk about, you know, I don't burn them out of material, man. So like I said, it's nice to be here, man. I'm absolutely convinced I suffer from a physical allergy that's coupled with a mental obsession. When I take a drink, I find it virtually impossible for me to stop. When I take a drink, I don't want to stop. I never wanted to stop, you know, until it got so bad, you know, and, and everything was burnt to the ground that, that I had no choice but to stop. But I've already crossed the line. You know, I didn't realize the trouble I was in when I got here, man. You know, like my sponsor Chris says, he goes, you know, I got a mind that won't give me a proper assessment of the trouble I'm in. I've got a mind that tells me, it's all right, man, just take a drink, you know. What are you going to do? Go through the rest of the day feeling like this, right? Feeling like what, right? With that anxiety, man, that I was experiencing this morning, right? The deliberate manufacture of, of misery, man, is what I was experiencing this morning. And like I say, but today I've got a way out of it. You know, I can ask God through step 10 to remove it at once, right? Share it with another, another person, Right. Sharing it with you guys. Yeah, I was anxious, man. You know, I'm an alcoholic. I have alcoholic thinking. That's that's what I do. That's my default. And when stuff is coming up, I'm anxious. I always have been. But before I had a solution, my solution was to get loaded. That's the only thing that would make the anxiety go away. That was the only thing that made me feel like I was part of it was the only thing that made me feel like I had arrived in life. It was the only thing that gave me courage to show up. And if I couldn't fit alcohol into my life, I'd find another way, right? I lost every job I had because of alcohol. I was going to find a way to drink on the job, damn it. I got to, right? I lost teaching jobs because of it, for drinking on the job, right? Most of us have been unwilling to admit we're real alcoholics. This is from page 30. It's right in the beginning. You know, the chapter on alcohol, it deals with the complete and utter failure of self-will. Right? I am mentally and bodily different than my fellows, man. Right? No matter what I put up against this disease, 
with self, with I'm not drinking again. I'm giving it up. There's no way. I'm. It's over. It's done. You know, it doesn't work. The doctors can't help me, right? Dr. Silkworth wrote that some sort of moral psychology was of urgent importance to alcoholics, right? Some sort of spiritual awakening, right? They don't have the injection of the spiritual experience with the, and even today with the, it says in, in the big book with the ultra modern, you know, techniques of, of the 1930s. How about today in 2022, they still don't have, you know, any kind of remedy for alcoholism other than an entire psychic change. I drank myself into a state of such destructive drinking that only an act of providence can relieve it from me. Right? Only an act of God. First paragraph in the 12 and 12, right? I've got to be absolutely convinced to my innermost self that I'm alcoholic if anything's going to happen in this program. If there's one lurking notion that I can drink again, I'm probably going to drink again. And I'm not going to be motivated, if you will, to go through and try to find something greater than me, right? That can relieve my alcoholism. All I had when I came in, man, on page 25, it talks about the consciousness of our intolerable situation. I could try to blot out the consciousness of my intolerable situation. The only consciousness I had when I came here was self. That was it. I was doing stuff my way. I don't care what you say. I'm doing it this way. Yeah, that's a great idea, but I'm going to do it my way. And if I can't get it my way, I'm either going to take it from you or I'm going to try to schmooze it from you. And all it was was just the absolute bondage of self. Consciousness was really unconsciousness, man. I had no consciousness of any type of power greater than myself. Why? Because I was so self-centered, I blocked myself off from anything that was going to save my life, any power out there that was greater than me, right? For just that long is, I, is the working faith in a higher power out of the question. I think it says I'm somewhere on page 72 in step seven. And it's the truth, man. You know, as long as I'm stuck in self, I can't rely on God. I was laying there in bed, half awake, you know, trying to sleep because I'm trying to think about what I'm going to say. Have I said anything that I thought I was going to say when I was thinking about what I was going to say? Hell no, man. It's just just coming out. Why? Because I got up early, man, and I got in the shower, right? And I came out and I gave Queenie a big hug and a kiss on the head, you know, and I told her, I'm sorry I woke you up. And 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 we started laughing about what happened. You know, I, I was just, I was just blown away, man. I was like, you know, I got so much work to do in this program to, to achieve that level of awakening. You know, at times I get it, but more than not, you know, untreated alcoholism takes over, man. Alcoholic mind takes over. So I went out, I hit my knees and I prayed. And I sat out on the carport and I've been meditating a lot, man, I'm working with Chris and he's been making, you know, it's like the part in step 11, right? Be quick to see where religious people are right. And he gives me a bunch of these spiritual books and I'm not a reader, man. I don't read nothing. You know what I mean? I've read the big book. I've read the 12 and 12. I started on Dr. Bob and the old timers, but I never finished it. Man, I'm not a reader, but you know, something's really got to be 
really good to capture my attention because I got attention deficit disorder and all that stuff, you know. So he gives me these books. One was called The Four Agreements, you know, and 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 one one was the Bhagavad Gita, right? It's it's Indian spirituality from the from the Indian culture, man. You guys have got it going on, man. You've had the answer for thousands of years, man. You know, and people have altered it. Now I'm not gonna get on the soapbox for you know, for any type of, of, of religion or that you should, but you know, it's changed my life. It's changed my, my, my level of consciousness. You know, I've realized that this diseased mind is not who I am. And with that, you know, I've got a chance. We learned we had to fully concede our innermost selves were alcoholic. Like I said, if I didn't, it's the first step of recovery. If I'm not convinced that no matter what happens from the outside, what people say or what I say or think, there's nothing out there. No human power can relieve my alcoholism. Man, I am screwed, you know, and I'm not going to be willing to find a power greater than myself. I'm not going to be willing to turn my will and my life over to this power. I'm not going to be willing to do a, do a four step inventory or, you know, share my entire life story with another human being or put all this stuff in six and seven and go out and make amends and pay back all the freaking money I stole from everybody and say, you know, I was wrong for all the harms I've caused. I'm not going to do that stuff. Right. Cause I won't be desperate enough. Right. So, so Bill's asking me, man, he's asking me all the way up through here. Are you, are you John or aren't you one of us? Right. If you were seriously as alcoholic as we were, there's no middle of the road solution. You can go on to the bitter end or you can accept spiritual help. Right? There's not a whole lot of options, man. Right? I got one choice. God is or he isn't. What's my choice to be? If I'm a real alcoholic and I choose no God for me, you know, there's a there's a damn good there's a damn good uh shot that um you know I'm gonna drink again. Right. I'm like a man who's lost his legs. I'll never grow new ones. Right. I'll never be a normal drinker. Right. Science may one day accomplish this, but it hasn't done so yet. Like, so we're said, man, I I don't have, you know, the, I don't have the, I, I don't have the injection. I don't have the cure or the remedy or the medicine to relieve your alcoholism. Guess what? God could and would if you sought. But I got to be convinced I am first. Yeah, I am one of you guys. Yeah, I drink like that. When I take the first drink, it wants the second. The second demands the third. And so on, man. And the next thing you know, you, you got three quarters of the bottle gone. You're blacked out. And who knows what happens after that? There's no such thing as making a normal drinker out of the alcoholics. Many are going to say they're not in that class, right? My, like I said, my mind wouldn't give me the proper assessment, man. I remember thinking, man, I'm, I'm drinking a lot, man. I used to drink with Chris in high school. You know, I got fired from the VA for drinking so much vodka before work that I left work because I couldn't do my job and passed out on the golf course trying to walk home. The guards got me, brought me into the the OD, they called her, you know, the uh, the ordinance of the day or whatnot. And she goes, this black lady, he's drunk, taken down to the guard shack and call his daddy. And so that's what they did. I'm like, no, no, don't call my dad, don't call my dad. You know, they didn't, you know, Papa's a, you know, a well-respected man in the VA. And I was making him look bad, real bad. You know, I lost a job because of it, man. Right. And still, I, I wouldn't believe I was in that class, you know, because I didn't understand what that class was. 
You know, I'd see, we'd go to rock concerts in the garden. We'd look off the part at Port Authority in New York City. You see the bums laying there on the sidewalk, cuddling a, cuddling a bottle of, you know, Carlo Rossi, that old gallon of wine, right? To me, that was an alcoholic, right? And yeah, it, it is, but you know what? I'm just as bad if when I ingest alcohol and I find it virtually impossible to stop. And when I want to stop, I find I can't got no mental defense against this disease, man, right? I'm 100% hopeless apart from divine help. Hey, you want to diagnose yourself, right? The bottom of page 31. This is what they told me. I said, I was approached by some guys who saw me suffering after 30 days of recovery, man. I was freaking dying, man. And, uh, you know, when you take booze away from someone who knows nothing else in life except to drink every day, man, you you think that he'd get better, you know, but it's not the case with us, man. It wasn't the case with me. My mental and emotional state just started to absolutely deteriorate, man. And I start to suffer from what causes me to drink in the first place, Right that deliberate manufacture of misery, man, right? The anxiety, the fear, the guilt, the shame, the remorse. Every, I mean, how can you not drink when that's your normal, that, when that's my default state of mind, right? With nothing to rely on other than myself, I am a dead man walking, man. Because what's going to happen and what was happening was that mental and emotional state was deteriorating and getting so bad that it was just like, dude, you, you drink again or blow your brains out. That's what it was telling me. You know, but I was going to this big book study in Hope Sound, Florida, because I was approached by some guys that seen I wasn't doing good. You know, thank God for you guys. You know, come to the rooms and go, man, Let's talk to this dude, man. You know, he's got his hat down on his and he's looking at the floor like this and he's not sharing. He don't ever talk to nobody. And they approach me. This guy, Jerry, goes, hey, man, how you doing? And then it's kind of looked up, you know, you, how you do. You look up. Yeah. And you lie. Yeah, I'm all right, man. How you doing? You know, and like, hey, man, you know, how long you been sober? And I, told, I don't know, 30 days, 32 days, whatever it was. I don't remember the exact time when he asked me, but he goes, hey, man, he goes, there's a. It was a really good big book study in uh, Hope Sound, Florida. And he invited me to go and he took me to these guys. And there was two guys, Bill and Kerry. And they're from Hope Sound and they're in the St. Christopher's Church. And it was a small meeting because back in the, you know, the, the late 80s and the early 90s, I got sober in the early 90s. It, it was just discussion meetings, man. You know, any step work was just reading the steps out of the 12 and 12. And that was it. But these guys were solution-based, man. They were armed with the facts of what was going on. Like some of the great meetings around Zoom, you know, you go to some of these big book studies. You know, go to Howard Eber's big book study. You know, Howard will blow you away, man. He, don't, he leaves no stone unturned. And that's what Carrie and Bill did, man. They left no stone unturned, man. And they explained the disease to me better than anyone had ever ever has, you know. And, uh, you know, until I met Chris, you know, I met Chris uh, – you know, about uh, four or five years later, you know, I, I, I hooked up back up with him and I seen what he was doing. And I was like, wow, man, that's it. You know, 
And uh, these guys saved my life, man. And uh, they painted me into a corner in step one. They told me that no matter what I tried to do, if I had an alcoholic mind, I was going to drink again. John, you're going to drink again no matter what. You got two alternatives. I'll be like, well, what are they? You know, and they go to page 25 and they read them to me, right? You're 100% hopeless from divine help. And they go to the back of this book, the back of this chapter. And they read that to me. Right? Of two of you people <laughs> I've worked with, you know, I wouldn't have taken any of you. You know, people like you are too heartbreaking, you know. So are you or aren't you, man? And if you are, this is the kind of trouble you're in. Right? Do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God, but I didn't want to hear none of that, man. That's where most of my obstinance came from. You know, when I, when they started talking, you know, the spirituality, but once I figured out the kind of trouble I was in, once they educated me to the trouble I was in, man, you know, I was hopeless. I really felt that hopelessness, you know, and, uh, and when I work with the, the guys I have, I try to go through this book and I try to make them feel as hopeless as they can, because I'm telling them the truth. We are seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. You know, there is light, right? But the ego's got to crack, man. That thick skull of mine had to crack, and I had to become humble enough to this disease, and it's this weakness, and it's devastating, and all the consequences that are involved with it. And until I humbled myself to it, I wasn't going to get sober. I wasn't going to stay sober, right? And I wouldn't go through the work. And of real happiness, I'd find none at all. And he says that in the 12 and 12 too, until we so humble ourselves to this devastating weakness and all its consequences, our, our, our recovery or sobriety is precarious, right? It's uncertain. And of real happiness, we'll find none at all. You know, I'm in recovery today to connect with that happiness to connect with that awakening that Queenie has, right? To get to that level, right? Right now, I believe I'm at, even at 30 years sober, I'm at, I'm at kindergarten spirituality level, man. No, but I continue to work. And you know what fixes all that uncertainty and all that anxiety? Showing up here and talking to you guys, man. Work with another alcoholic saves the day right doesn't save the week or the month of the year it saves the day so if you if you if you're sitting there and you're like man I, that's how i feel man it's like oh, that sucks man this recovery this sucks now get out and help somebody man find a sponsee go to a live meeting and look for the guy he's got his head down man and approach him i've got to approach people man you don't just hand them your phone number, invite them to the house. Look, show up tomorrow. Think about what I said. If you're lucky enough to be sober tomorrow, we'll go to the house and, and do some step work. How's that sound? You know, hell, I could be Jeffrey Dahmer, but you know what? People know, man, they, they understand us. You know, we understand each other. I don't know these guys from Adam, but we connect, man. There's something in the language of the heart and the understanding of a recovered alcoholic where you can gain the confidence of somebody he doesn't even know within a matter of sometimes a matter of minutes, sometimes a matter of just a few hours. It's amazing, man.
The language of the heart is just is just absolutely amazing, man. Let's see, what do we got here? Okay, is anyone? If, this is on page thirty-four. If you've questioned whether you've entered this dangerous area, try leaving liquor alone for a year. <laughs> man, good luck with that. If you drank like me, I, I couldn't do it. You know, Carrie, John, you think you could leave liquor alone for a year? And I'd sit back, I'd be like, like, I don't think so, Carrie. You know, if he's a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there's, scant chance, there's a scant chance of his success. You know, and I knew I was down for the count, man. I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to admit it. It took getting really to the bottom, man, of my, of the deepest, most innermost self where I knew I was screwed. You know, where I came home one day after a meeting, man, and I was entertaining, you know, the thoughts of suicide or drinking again. And I was too scared to drink again because I knew what I was going to, I knew what was going to happen. Right. And I was too scared to blow my brains out because I didn't have the courage. And I just fell down on the floor and collapsed and begged God for the first time in my life. I can't do it, Father. You got to help me. In Bill's story. Right. He he had pretty much the same kind of experience for the first time. He admitted that of himself, he was nothing. And then without God, he was lost. And that's what happened to me, man. And I didn't even know. A, I didn't even know anything about that line in the book, man. You know what I mean? I, didn't, I was just at my barest beginning. But all this stuff, man, the book is so perfectly written that all this stuff that was going on with me, I have experienced, man. I have experienced, you know, the way it's written. I'm like, wow, man, just blows me away, right? We think to whom this this book will appeal can stay dry like anything like a year, right? This book appeals to me, man. It makes sense to me, right? It It describes me, you know, and if it describes me, it's describing the real alcoholic. You know, I had trouble staying sober a day, right? Wake up in the morning. That, it peeled me off the Garden State Parkway. It's a throughway in New Jersey, right? On a rollover accident. I was so drunk I couldn't walk, right? And mom's like, where are you going, Johnson? I'm going down the shore with that. See you later. Oh, Johnny, don't go. My God, don't go. You know, she's crying. I just staggered out to the car and passed out. It's the last thing I remember until I woke up on the road bleeding to death. Now you'd think that that experience there after they're sewing up 38 stitches in my head with no novocaine or anesthesia because they want me to die because I got so much alcohol in my system. You figure that alone, not to mention when mom shows up and I'm intensive care and I'm in the horse collar and I can't move. And I'm telling him, I swear I'm done. I'm never going to drink again. I'm swearing my mom, I promise what Johnny, you can't drink, you can't drink, you got you to stop. I promise I stopped. Two days later, I was drinking. Two days later, right, as soon as I start, got a few pain pills in me, right, took away some of the cricks in the old neck, and I opened the garage the porch refrigerator and pop had a six pack of tall boys in there. Grabbed a couple, went up to the backyard, sat down and started drinking, you know, and 
Didn't put them, didn't put them down until 1991. Man, I was a daily drinker. Like I said, I got fired from every job. It cost every job. It cost me my career. It cost everything. But you know what? I was a slave to King Alcohol. It's an absolute slave to King Alcohol. How about this? Whether such a person can quit. What's such a person? person like me, right? Who drank like me, who drank like Schroeder, drank like Rob, who drank like Jamie, right? Drank like Richard in the semi over there, right? Drank like Gordon, right? I don't know the rest of you guys, but I think you all drank like me pretty much. Whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends to the extent at which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. I lost power. I lost choice. And I lost control, man. There was a tremendous urge to cease forever, man, right? How many times did I swear off from drinking, yet we found it impossible? The baffling feature of alcohol is the utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or wish. That's what had me down, man. I crossed the line, I think, when mom died in 79. I might have had a chance before then. I was a super heavy maniac drinker. But when mom died, it, it sent me to a, it sent me into another level of, of, of drinking. And when pop died in 85, it just took me out to the bitter end, man. You know, I had crossed the line. You know, I lost power. I lost power of choice and I lost the power of control. I was going to drink that day no matter what. No matter what anybody said, no matter what the boss said, John, Danny's going to fire your ass. You keep drinking. Okay, Danny, I swear I'm giving it up. I'd leave the morning sales meeting because I was selling insurance at the time and showing up drunk to the appointments. Promise them I'm done, man. Yeah, man. All right, I'll stop that. I won't do it anymore. I won't do it anymore, John. I won't do it anymore. What do I do? Some of the left the 9 a.m. sales meeting right to the liquor store every freaking day, man. Finally, I was approached, you know, by a good friend of mine. You know, I the Ebby Thatcher in my life was a guy named Frank. His nickname was Beaver. Chris knew him, man. We, we all drank together. He's the kind of guy like, man, you know, there was a couple people in my life where I said, if I ever drink like those guys, I'm going to stop. You know, and, and Frank was one of those guys, you know, he shows up, man. I met him a few times along the way in the eighties where he was clean and sober. First he was sober just a couple of years and he was five years. Next thing you know, he was like, was like nine or 10 years, man. He was sober when he approached me, man, he called me out of the blue, you know, and that, that, that's been my experience. And whenever something was really fixing to go bad, in old John S.'s life, and the phone would ring, right? Chris saved me a couple of years ago. I got away from AA. You know, the phone, the, the text goes, and it's Chris. You know, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. Man, what a lie. I was dying, man, of untreated alcoholism. Man, I was suffering. You know what? He introduced me to this Zoom, man. It's changed my life. Got back into the work. Got back into sponsorship, right? Frank did the same thing for me in early recovery, man. He told me, look, bro, I got an answer for you. It's like, how the hell you stay sober for nine years or 10 years, whatever it was, you know? 
He goes, AA. I'm like, AA. I'm like, I never even heard of treatment. You know, the only alcoholic I knew in my life, other than myself, and I didn't even know I was, was Mrs. Hartelius, who lived across the street. You know, and, and they used to say, yeah, well, she's an alcoholic. She goes to AA. So it was like this stigma, you know. Like it was a bad thing, you know. And uh, remember, I, I ate Thanksgiving dinner over there. And she was the nicest. Mrs. H was the nicest person on the planet. And I'm thinking... How is she? An, how is she an alcoholic? You know what? She had recovered. She had recovered from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And Frank introduced me to the program of AA. Just show up, Johnny. Show up. Don't drink that day. Show up and listen. That's all you got to do. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to talk to anybody. And I didn't. And the only thing I did was admit I was an alcoholic. The place erupted. You know, it was loud. It was happy. There was people. It was, my first day meeting was like, it was an experience, man. I was like, wow, these people are really happy. Like, What's going on here? I had no idea. You know, and I felt safe there too, man. That's why I kept coming back. It's the only place I felt safe. So I was hitting a meeting at noon. I was hitting it because I wasn't working, right? I was hitting a meeting at 530. I was hitting a meeting at 7. I was hitting a meeting at 830. There was one at not or at nine thirty. There was one, and then there was a candlelight at eleven every night. I was there all day long, man. Of course, my marriage is getting on the rocks because I'm never home. But hey, I'm not drinking either. So, you know, there's that's a whole other story. I don't want to get into that, man. So, what about the mental states that precede the relapse into drinking? Right. What about waking up in the morning after a five day bender, man? Right. I used to wake up on Monday mornings. I used to go to bluegrass festivals, drink moonshine for like four days straight, man. And I, you know, and I wake up Monday morning knowing I got to go to work, right? And and South Florida construction work. It's like it's like building it's like building condominiums in Mumbai, India, right? Where Celsius is what. 45, 50 Celsius, which makes like a hundred some degrees, right? That's what I had to look forward to, man. And it'd be like, oh, man, you know, I, I gotta stop this stuff. I gotta, I gotta stop it. And I, I'd head on down to West Palm and I'd be late. You know, I'd show up at the crack at 7.30, you know, and I'm not, I'm playing, I'm not drinking today, man. That's no way. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You know, and I get there and somebody reach. I used to keep the beers in the water coolers, right? And old Jeffro, he was a Kentucky guy, Rob, and he'd pull a beer out and he'd throw it at me and I'd catch it. I'd just crack it. Now that's it. We start drinking. And that would lead to another beer. And at lunch, we'd go, if there was four people in the, in the car, we'd buy a case of beer and we'd chug down six apiece and we'd go back to work in that heat. On the way home, I'd buy a 12-pack on the way home and close Cagney's with the quarter beers in Hope Sound, Florida, every single night you know a lot of times the mental state that 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 preceded the first drink for me was just screw it screw it man i'm hurt dying shaking it's the only thing that made me feel better man why because i was just burdened with self there was nothing 
outside of my consciousness. I was completely unconscious to any type of spiritual life. I was completely unconscious to any type of knowledge of what a higher power could do for me if all if I just invited him in, if I was just willing to recognize that he was deep down within me. So all I had to do was just try, be willing to believe. And I, and I could have got better. I could have got better years ago in the 80s. But you know what? I, I knew no other way. It was the only life I knew. And I couldn't differentiate the truth from the false. The truth was alcohol was trying, it was going to kill me. The false was, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, I think I'll be all right. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm really that bad yet. You know, that kind of thinking, man. Check it out. Let's see how much time I've got left. Not too much, about another 15 minutes, right? In some circumstances, how about this on page 37? Right. In the light and the havoc that alcohol, that alcohol always caused me, you know, you know, why, you know, why did I, why did I drink again? Right. And then it says at the top of 37, whatever precise dis- definition of the word may be, we, we call this plain insanity, right? How can such a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else? Right? Somebody slide a drink my way, man, and I take it. Sometimes without thinking at all. Like I said, that was the only life I knew, man. I was a slave to alcohol. I was going to drink no matter what because I had no solution or no defense against it. Powerless. To accept powerlessness, right? I admitted I was an alcoholic and my life was unmanageable. Yeah, but I didn't realize why my life was unmanageable, right? The bondage of self created an incredible amount of unmanageability, right? Powerlessness was tough to accept. That there was nothing in my power that could relieve my alcoholism. No human power could relieve my alcoholism. No threat, no nothing, man. I was going to drink again no matter what. In some cases, halfway down 37. In some cases, we've gone out deliberately to get drunk. <laughs> you ever started a fight with the wife because you're out of booze and you're restless and you're irritable, you're pissed off why because you're not drinking, right? And you're discontented. You ever start a fight at home? Ah, and I'm out of here, right? That's going out deliberately to get drunk. I used to do it all the time, man. I'd start an argument, right? You're going golfing again? Yeah, go golfing, you know. I'll be back soon. And at you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm beating on the locked door. You know, one night I kicked it open, right? They're, they're upstairs scared to death, you know. God, he's going to kill us. Lock me out. You know, now I got a door broken off the door jam. Now I got to fix that the next day. Of course, I didn't. It stayed broke for a week or two until I finally had a friend come over and fix it. Right? I never got anything done, man. 
In some circumstances, we've gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. Right. And, and then there was just times when I just, like I said, I was just feeling so bad that my mind's just telling me, look, man, if you want to feel better, go get drunk. This is how you feel when you have no treatment for alcoholism. This is how you feel when you don't have a higher power in your life that can relieve your alcoholism. This is how you feel when you don't have a program of recovery, right? That allows you to find something greater than yourselves and to look at these things that are manifested in different ways you know, the angerness, the nervousness, the anger, the worry, and the depression, right? I had no idea of how to inventory that stuff. You know, I had to be shown that stuff. So I need a sponsor. That's why I need people in my life in AA that I can talk to, that can help me, that can teach me, you know, how to list these things, right? Self-defeated me, man. Self-defeated us. The ego was so dense, that my true self deep within my heart and the true power, the true power of God that I walk hand in hand with in the, in the world of the spirit was blocked out by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, fear, envy, sloth. That's the stuff that's killing me, man. The booze is just a symptom. I mean, it's a bad symptom, but like I said, what really was killing me, you know, was my mental state with no other solution and no other belief in anything but that mental state. It destroyed my life. It destroyed any, any hope for any future, right? I had all kind of pipe dreams, great plans and designs, but I pull them down over my head. Why? Because I get anxious and I didn't have God to go to, to relieve my, my anxiety. What did I have? I went to the only God I knew, King Alcohol, and I drank. Man, this is a cool meeting, dude. It's so good to talk to you guys. Our behavior is absurd and incomprehensible with respect to the first drink as that of an in individual with a passion for jaywalking. Right? Man. Wrecked a bunch of cars in, in the in the day, you know, from the time I was a teenager. You know, Chris wrecked a bunch of cars, man. You know, you come out of the hospital and, man, we're right back at it. Right back at it, man. Right? Cops pulling you over. I say, one thing I never got was a DUI, man. I, I was the luckiest person on the planet. And I'm going to kind of, I got like two or three minutes, man. And I, I want to kind of end with this, that the first time I had, I, I'm not going to say it was an awakening. I'm not even going to say it was an experience. It was kind of an experience. Mom passed on in 79. And this is like 1982. And we're fishing all day. I got a 1981 Plymouth Horizon, right? Hatchback. And in the back is like two cases of empty bottle, empty beer bottles. Me and this guy, David, were drinking all day. So we go up to Fort Pierce, right, to pick up 
one of his, you know, one of his old girlfriends. And, you know, we were going to do that. You know what I'm saying? So we're heading back. It's like two in the morning and it's raining, man. And I mean, I am gassed and we're chugging down amaretto. We got a bottle of amaretto. We got a bottle of Jack Daniels and we're passing both bottles back and forth. I pass out at the wheel, right? I hear this, John, and I, when I look up, Damn, right now, you remember our old Ford Country Squire station wagon? I hit that thing going 55 miles an hour, plowed into the back of it. He was stopped in US one, right? So I get out and everybody's all right. There's three spider webs on the wind on the windshield, right? I go to Sandy, she's bleeding on the forehead. You're all right, yeah, I'm all right. You know, we're drunker than hell. We're okay. You know what I mean? We get out and I start throwing beer bottles over the strip mall. Start because I know the cops are coming, right? So he gives me the sobriety test, you know, and he's trying to get these guys and, and they're, they're, um, they're like Cuban guys, man. They're from Cuba. Cause you know, the, the boat people were coming in, you know, and, and there was, there was a lot of Cubans in the area and I just happened to run into a bunch of them and they're not signing nothing. No, no, no. I no sign. I no sign. Look, man, the cops pissed, right? He's like, look, man, it's not saying you're guilty. I just want you to sign it. Will you just sign it so I can get this freaking paperwork done? So this guy's getting mad, which is giving me a chance to put in a bunch of Copenhagen, hyperventilate, try to get the booze out of my breath, which is impossible. And you've been drinking for 12 hours straight, but you know, we don't think that way. So I fail the sobriety test, right? <laughs> I'm walking the line, you know, and it's, it's the line of recovery, you know what I mean? Where you get off the beam, you stagger back on. The alarm goes off and you get back on the beam. Okay, so he goes, all right, John. He goes, you didn't do so good. <laughs> Martin County Sheriff, right? I'm like, oh, that's bad. He goes, look, man, get in the car. So I get in the car, right? And I remember, I remember sitting there in the passenger seat and, and this thought came to my mind, Ma. If you're out there, do something. That thought right there. So he's writing on his clipboard, right? And he's, and he stops writing. And he kind of looks over me. He goes, he goes, you know what, John? I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, I, he goes, I, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm not going to give you a DUI. And I sat back. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, I'm going to give you reckless driving. I said, all right. So I, I, you know, dummy up, you know, dummy up. Don't say another word right before he changes his mind. And he lets me go, right? The tow truck comes because the car is demolished, right? And the tow truck comes and, uh, you know, that we rode back to the house and, you know, uh, David and, uh, David and Sandy went into the old river house where I was staying and I was living with my future, you know, wife who was my fiance at the time. And, you know, I, she answers the door at three o'clock in the morning. I'm bleeding, you know, there's blood coming down because I had cuts, you know, and she's like, what the hell? But that right there, I remember it, even though it was like an experience, it was, it was blotted out within another, you know, another 12 hours when I woke up again, and just started drinking again. You know, oh, man, where's the car? How bad is it? It's totaled. Oh, sh- drink. That was a good enough excuse. So to me, this, I got 9.57. I think you guys open it up for a half an hour. But, you know, what I want what I do want to close on is, uh, what's my friend's name? Talak, right? 
Welcome, man. And if what I said made any sense to you, you're, yes. you're in a whole lot more trouble than you think you are. And uh, you're in the right place, man. And there's a lot of people here, you know, including myself, that would be glad. I know you said you had a sponsor. Man, go through the work because if you are a real alcoholic of the hopeless kind without some type of solution in your life or a power greater than yourself, you know, the message of depth and weight I have is, is going to, you're going to drink again. They told me I was going to drink again, no matter what, if I didn't find the solution, if I didn't find the defense that must come from a higher power, right? My own conception of God. They didn't tell me I had to believe in any kind of religion or any kind of, you know, Catholicism or any kind of Presbyterianism or any, any kind of Hinduism or Buddhism, you know, they're all good, you know, and uh, just open your mind, open your heart. Look honestly in yourself and search diligently. With that attitude, you can't fail, man. Sweep away the prejudice you may have against any kind of spirituality and religion. And you got a real good chance of staying sober one more day. And, Thank uh, you, sir. Thank you, sir. With that, I'd like to say welcome. And uh, who am I kicking it back to? Uh, uh, I believe I'm done. Thanks for letting me Mine. be in here. Hey, Ronnie. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.